This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Tom is returning, and Stephen is returning, and James is returning, and Carl has arrived. It's our review of End of Time. and welcome to episode 264 of the Doctor Who podcast and as you can tell from the incredibly inventive opening I have two long lost hosts joining me you may have thought they're gone sadly not Tom and Stephen welcome back to the camper van <laughs> hello <laughs> you can't get rid of us that easily <laughs> no <laughs> we've tried we've tried we're also joined by a very special guest now I'm not quite sure how to introduce him because when I started doing some research the list just went on <laughs> so basically Kyle Anderson from the internet everybody hello Kyle hello there <laughs> very nice to be here I remember when uh Doctor Who podcast episode one aired all below those many years ago so, oh, well, that's good. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I vaguely remember it as, as much as one can remember these things. But I, I'm very happy to be here these 263 episodes later. I remember meeting you in person in L.A. with Trevor. Mm-hmm. And we spoke, I think, for a blog that you were writing. That was The Nerdist, wasn't that's it? That's correct, yep. Uh, yeah, about podcasting. And I think together we managed to alienate the remainder of Doctor Who the podcast community because we didn't mention them so much. It's true. And... Uh... Now there's just, I mean, there was many at that time, and now there's even more. So such such an article would not be <laughs> wise sure. at this point in junk in time, unless you want to write a book about all the different podcasts. Well, I'm sure that's in the in the works. Someone, Someone must have thought to. of that, surely. Yeah, yeah because podcasters love Doctor Who. It's coming soon. It's in the next <laughs> in that series <laughs> by Stephen Prescott. I'm actually surprised there isn't a Doctor Who podcast podcast where all they do is talk about different <laughs> Doctor Who podcasts. <laughs> Well, do you know, there was almost one, uh, the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, of, of which we are members, and, and many of our fellow podcasters are as well. The only thing they are devoid of is an actual podcast, but it's a, it's a place on the internet where you can go and, and find now, well, well over 100 Doctor Who podcasts listed along with their links, and you get notification every time someone releases a new episode, and because of the number, that comes up every few minutes or it seems to <laughs> but uh, but the only thing they are missing is essentially a doctor who podcast podcast and what a name for a show the doctor who doctor who podcast podcast that's what it should be <laughs> <laughs> One of the great things about Doctor Who is we love to look back as we look forward, and very sadly we, we, we heard of the passing of Kate O'Mara. Um, but as we know in fantasy, although actors and actresses may leave us, characters never die. And so this, uh, this very week we have heard that she is returning, the Rani is back. By which I mean the character of the Rani has been recast with the rather lovely actress Siobhan Redmond and she will be returning to Big Finish as an audio character uh, as we learned this week. Fellas, what do we think? I think it's it's probably, I mean, I think it's a, a great idea. Um, it's it's sad that Kate O'Mara couldn't come back to do it, but, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a great character and other, you know, she's one of the few uh, Time Lords who's not uh, come back in some form as a different actor or whatever so i i'm i'm fine with it i again it's just kind of sad that kate amar is not around to have done it herself but here's the thing that what what do we think about the character of the rani um you know i mean given her, one of her last appearances she, she appeared with a master to begin with and i think there was this 
very clear distinction between someone who was being um, a moustache twirling Richard the Third style villain and someone who was just doing bad things because she didn't ca- couldn't care less. I, I think it's an interesting classic character to bring back. I mean, first of all, I think Big Finish is the right place for it because, yeah. as, as Ian has said many, many times, why would you want to drive a new audience to go and watch Time and Arani or Mark and Arani? I mean, they'd probably <laughs> put them off the classic series for life. Um, but I think the character has incredible potential. I think Kate O'Mara certainly delivered two performances that made people think, well, we, we'd like to see the Rani back in a series because every time there is a mysterious female character, fandom is absolutely rife with, with rumours or it generates new rumours to say, oh, that person's the Rani. I remember when Riversong was the Rani. Riversong was practically everybody at one point, mm. according to fandom. But uh, yeah, she certainly is still remembered very fondly throughout fandom, I think. It's become a meme at this point. Uh, <laughs> that, every, yeah, that every every single female actress who is cast announced is going to be the Ronnie. Keely Hawes is the Ronnie. Yeah. She's got red hair. She's the Ronnie. You know, so uh, it's it's kind of funny and and it's kind of uh, interesting that that they did finally bring her back for for the audio and uh, hopefully that will that will put an end to that meme just for you know a couple months at least oh memes never die steven you should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's we've got to wait all the way until next october before we get to hear the play mm. but uh, but it was announced in doctor who magazine which coincidentally arrived on my doormat today um the day we we're recording and it, the announcement was there and apparently it was pure coincidence that um, they decided to bring back the Rani, and and just just when the news broke, essentially that Kate O'Mara had, uh, had had passed, but apparently her agents has given her blessing, and therefore we are we're going to carry on. We're actually going to get this story, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. You know, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, one of the, as, I, as I mentioned earlier on, one of the great things about the Rani was she she seemed uh, unconstrained by conscience in a way that the original master was. I mean, if, you know, for what 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 I could work out, the original master, the Roger Delgado master, was he didn't really care about these idiotic monkeys, sorry, idiotic apes running around on this little mudball planet. But it's but it's a handy thing to do just to pass the time. Um, and the Rani seemed entirely concerned purely with I've got these experiments to do. Why are you getting in my way? They're just monkey. They're just apes. Get out of my way while I kill them all. That's fine. But but that was it. I think by the time by the time she showed up, the characterization in Doctor Who was a little bit um, unique. Is probably the safest thing to say. Um, but the but the master was the master was well past his prime by then. So it was, it was nice to have uh, not even a renegade time lord, a time lord who who was behaving in a lordly way, which is to say, I'm a lord. You are the peasants. I will kill you if I like. That's all there is to it. Why are you trying to stop me? They're just apes. Yeah, it's the difference between immoral and amoral, and she was definitely the latter. She was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just doing this don't you know don't concern yourself with me why why do you care yeah exactly why do you care about these little creatures on this planet i i've got little test tubey things to work on (laughs) (laughs) well tom you've already mentioned the master i i have a suspicion we're going to be talking about him just a little bit more uh, in the remainder of this podcast because we can prevaricate no longer we are going to have to discuss the end of time we, we only have two regeneration stories left in our series and it had to happen sooner or later so i'm, I'm kind of glad <laughs> that we've got a full camper van here because it means i don't have to say what is it what have you done you monster oh i'm sorry are you talking to me or to me or to me or to me or to, or to us. us breaking news 
I'm everyone. And everyone in the world is me. I'm president. President of the United States. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Come on. <laughs> Financial solution. <laughs> Deleted. <laughs> The human race was always your favorite, Doctor. But now, there is no human race. There is only the Master Race. <laughs> okay, gents, end of time. Discuss. What don't you like about it? <laughs> Everything but the end credits. Oh, come on. What's wrong with it? <laughs> well, let me cover the... All right, then. Okay, I will start. Uh, let, let, let me cover the good things first, because that won't take very long. Um, first of all, oh. I, I, I think the character moments are wonderful. This is certainly one of the more memorable scenes, I think, with the Tenth Doctor just sitting having one-to-one -one conversations with other characters. Right. And, and part one is essentially 60 minutes that split almost right down the middle. It's almost bang on the half an hour mark of that scene that everybody talks about with the Tenth Doctor and Wilf in the cafe. After that, it pandemonium ensues. The story doesn't make sense. It introduces magic way too much. All of Why? a sudden, we have the past and the current happening at the same time, and I have I have difficulty engaging. I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that as my opening salvo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, Kyle, what did you think? Traditionally, I have not particularly enjoyed this this story. Um, watching it last night, the I I found more to enjoy in it than I was expecting. Uh, I, I mean, I've right. probably seen this three, four times before. And so I was like, oh, you know, I, maybe I'd softened a little bit. There's still stuff in it that doesn't make sense. There's still a lot of dumb stuff in it. And there's still the kind of sting of character moments that are kind of sour or, or character th things that uh, the 10th Doctor does that I think are sour. But there's there's some good stuff in it. Obviously, the scenes with Wolf are great. Uh, the one that stood out to me the most uh, this last time was in the second episode when they're on the the bridge of the Vinvachi spaceship and they're just mm -hmm. talking and, and, you know, Wolf offers him the gun. I think that scene is absolutely beautiful. It's probably maybe even some of Russell T Davies best writing full stop, but yeah, overall I think, and, and actually some of the stuff with the, the master and the doctor is pretty good too, but the master is very, you know, what he's doing and what he, why he wants to do this and what exactly the issue is with him and why he's, you know, glowing skeleton man doesn't really make sense so it you know if you're paying too much attention to plot which happens it is you kind of just scratch your head or get annoyed but you know there's stuff in it that is not terrible <laughs> i'll say that that's a very generous assessment Stephen. what are we thinking i think that uh this entire story got away from russell t davies uh we all know that originally this was uh this was planned to be a much uh smaller story uh how how the tense doctor was going to regenerate it was planned to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more personal, a little bit more quiet. The the shift when when John Sim wanted to come back, uh, really, uh, it, it, to me, it's just ob it obviously threw Davies for a loop and didn't know where to go. He didn't know how to bring him back. He didn't know what to do with him. Uh, the master's plot is inane, um, uh, and all of these this big bombastic stuff that's going on that really doesn't go anywhere and you're left at the end the exact opposite feeling of what the 10th doctor is feeling where i i wanted you know i wanted to i i loved david Tennant as the 10th doctor um up until this story um where i just was i was ready for him to go by the end of it uh <sighs> it, it just i just he I, 
it, it was so just too much too much for the sake of being too much it almost felt like it was just it needed like they just felt that they they needed to be the biggest thing in the in the entire world and i don't think that that's that's what was necessary and i don't think it, it was well thought out or well put together so you know, obviously the the character moments between you know everyone's already said it. But the character moments between the uh, the tenth Doctor and Wilf are are wonderful, and I can even accept that speech where he's talking about you know another man saunters away and and I'm gone, and I, I you know I, I I can get that, but uh, he he goes away with with just in such a classless way, and and even when he sacrifices himself for Wilf, he he complains about it. He's just like, oh, I can't believe I've got to do this. You, of course, it had to be you. I'm like, dude, you know that's not what a hero does. That's that's the least heroic thing you can do right now is to complain about it before you do it. You know, it, it just, yeah, it really, it's really sour. I'm put in mind of that of the quotation from Ter- uh, by uh, Terence Dix when he describes the character of the Doctor as being someone who's never cowardly or cruel. And there are several occasions, there are there are moments in the end of time where he just seems cowardly not well it, other, he seems other than what we think the doctor should be, or sorry other than what i have come to expect from the doctor he seems very human which is not a bad thing we like human yeah. beings but he but, but i think uh, Stephen, i'm kind of with you it, it, there are moments where it's just like oh stop whining you're the doctor come on deal with it really complaining <laughs> that he's like why did it have to be me I, 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 I mean, i'm important and so on and so on it's like yes we know you're important doctor but the great thing about you being important is that we all know it and you don't care that's why you're the doctor <laughs> you know? yes I think that's perfectly put, and uh, I have to say, certainly the opening scene is is very very jarring because I mean, I mean, yet you clearly know, you clearly know that he's running away from what he thinks is going to be his death, and this is one thing I don't like about Doctor Who, and I've said it many many times, particularly in the new era, is the way that it absolutely drives the message that regeneration is akin to death down the viewers throats and the end of time is probably the most guilty of of all of the regeneration stories because the 10th doctor talks about his regeneration or his forthcoming regeneration as a death and it it isn't everybody knows it's not a death this is part of being a time lord and i i don't quite know whether they intended to to tweak the 10th doctor's personality so much that he would be seen to complain and and whinge about it or, or whether or not the mood of the production crew, when they knew where they're going, did that bleed into what we ended up seeing on screen? I mean, what, what what I know for certain is that David Tennant does an absolutely immense job, given the awful material he's given here. I I think he can be really really proud of his final performance because I don't think there's anything more he could have done given that script I, I even think I even think that uh that that last line he he it's so obvious that he doesn't want to say it <laughs> do you think that's true or do you think that's what we think or what we like to think well he was thinking? Sort of projecting onto it yeah, <laughs> yeah well, well well there's the behind the scenes where he's reading it uh, so many different ways and he just mm. it, it, it to me as he's doing that it it feels as if he he's not feeling it he's he's not feeling that line in a way that he can like it's a you know it's supposed to be sort of breaking the fourth wall and and David Tennant actually saying that he doesn't want to go but it does feel so pathetic it's you know, more Russell that... T Davies I think not wanting to go or not wanting to let go yeah. of the tenth doctor or any number of you know it, it really does feel more like it, it's it is the production crew it is uh, 
Davis being like, I need to go out. It, it feels like death because I'm leaving. Like it, it's it's so much yeah. more grandiose <laughs> that way. He's it's I, I yeah. think it's a very like you said, Stephen, a very classless way to like usher in the new doctor because it's not like the show was being canceled. You can watch it and, and go, oh, I would imagine the show is over now because you're talking about death and the end of things and blah, blah, blah. Who, who, who wrote Matt Smith's first words in this? Did Russell T. Davis basically walk out the door after the regeneration scene was was in the can? Yep. Yeah, uh, Stephen Moffat wrote that little sequence. It's great. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge infusion of energy and adrenaline and movement, and it just and as sad as I was to watch it, I remember it the first time around. I mean, as sad as I was to watch it, I was I was more excited to see the new fella stumble in. It wasn't so much about the old um, the, the old the old fella shuffling away. It was like oh. It, and I have to say, actually, when it came time for Matt Smith to put it down, I was far more in- I was far more emotional about that than I was about David Levy. It was like, okay, off you. But that, that said, I have to. It's only a personal opinion, but um, I watched it again because I was told to. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and I have to, but I have to say that I've, the first time round, I found it confusing, overlong. Um, a little bit po-faced, and other than I remember Doctor Who to be this time round, possibly because I had a bottle of wine, um, I found it far more entertaining. And I thought, oh, I get, oh, I get this now. It's great. Um, what, what I saw this time round, so again, what is it? Like, was it like five years since? Um, mm. What I saw this time round was a show that was trying to deliver everything which it thought a Doctor Who fan would want. Um, and when I st- st- one of the one of the grateful th- one of the great things I've learned about recently is being mindful. Perhaps you all know about this. You know, rather than being in your thoughts and having your thoughts own you, you just sort of stand back from them and just look at things going on. Looking at this and looking at it going on, I thought, oh, okay, I can see whether I can see what it was trying to do. And if I just like let it, don't pay too much attention, which I think is the problem. Doctor Who fans in the main want to pay attention to things. Um, it, it, it made a lot more sense. I mean, I didn't I didn't get the whole skeletal bit with the master to begin with, but I, re- I really didn't get it. But now it's like, oh, okay, fine. Um, he didn't. He did. Um, he didn't come back properly. So he's stuck between these two worlds. So he's being pulled and pushed. And he's got all this bizarre energy that he can't control. And I thought, okay, I get that. That's fine. I mean, when I, when I watched it with well, the mind the, of a ch- the, the magic went wrong. Well, <laughs> well, well, but it's not magic. But, but but it's not magic, is it? It's like total cellular uh, total cellular regeneration based on um, based on the contents of that ring, or at least watching it without thinking too hard about it and I'm not saying and don't get me wrong I'm not saying you should watch it and, th- and not think hard about it that's what Doctor Who fans do we overthink things that's what we do um, but just watching it with um, you know out the corner of the eye and thinking oh, oh I just accepted it um, I do remember though I, I've got to be I will be totally honest with you I remember sitting with um, uh, my nine year old uh, nephew by association, I suppose. Um, he's a huge Doctor Who fan on my, um, on my lap at Christmas time, watching it. And when the credits rolled, we just looked at each other and was like, "What the hell was that?" But this time, <laughs> but this time round, it was like, "No, this is great. I, I get it." But it, it, it's if, if it's anything, it's if, if it's guilty of anything, it's guilty of being a little bit silly. Um, the plot with the um, uh, the Vinvachi Gate made sense to, I've got, I, can't, I can't lie to you I haven't, I haven't known this for like five or six years and I haven't been telling anybody it's only in the last two hours it's actually made any sense the, the reason it didn't make sense to me is I was, I was expecting it to be serious and when I just thought oh it's just silly it went okay yeah it's silly of course it's silly the master becomes everybody on earth it's utterly silly it's ridiculous yeah. and, and I think it ties in with the way that RTD envisaged John Sim playing the master and uh, and maybe what Stephen said was absolutely spot on I mean it's, right. it's, it's when when we knew or when the production crew knew they were able to get John Sim back then they thought well great it will be a fantastic crescendo to the 10th Doctor era to bring him back but we're not quite sure what to do and maybe they had to kind of almost exaggerate the the more loony parts of the character and I, I understand again from reading stuff that John Sim has said since that he wasn't overly impressed with the direction the character went in you know there, there wasn't any 
real reason as to why he suddenly should become a kind of hybrid between the Emperor from Star Wars and Superman. It seemed to be silly, as you say, Tom. And I, I don't think the plot is is confused or wrong. Like you say, and in most Russell T. Davis stories, it is there. Mm. It just isn't that engaging. And, and, and I don't really think that it's appropriate. I think there's too much going on for a final story that was originally supposed to be a fairly low-key story. And for me, it, it just sounded, it just felt like everything that a fan wouldn't want. And uh, l- let me just give you what, one little anecdote before I, I'm quiet. I said I wasn't going to talk about that, <laughs> so denied, didn't I? Sorry. Um, I, I watched part two in, in a pub with a whole load of other Doctor Who fans as well. And we got there early afternoon and... Um, I, I suspect the majority of people who are watching were very similar to you, Tom. They've had at least a bottle of wine or the equivalent <laughs> of by the time it started. And, you know, halfway through, people would started looking at each other and saying, look, we, we don't understand what's going on. Um, and, and towards the end, in fact, at the end, I mean, this is what people were really complaining about. Tom, you may remember at the time, it, it went out at a similar time to Tony Blair announcing he was going to step down as Prime Minister. And it had been in the papers that he was going to do essentially a farewell tour. He was going to get on a plane and, and tour around the world saying goodbye to all of his friends that he'd made as Prime Minister over the last 10 years. But wasn't that what the 10th Doctor did in the final 20 minutes of this story? It was self-indulgent and projection, maybe, but I think it's, it's very clear a lot of the stuff going on behind the scenes made it into the story. Do you know what? Yeah. I, I, I've got to say, I, I like David Tennant. Every time I see him saying something in his own voice, I can't help but think, I like you. But I've got to say, by the time this came out, I was sick of the... I was, I was ha- I've had it with the Tenth Doctor. I've had it with him. I mean, going back to where you started, the, you know, the, as I, I recognise now, the Master is the Doctor, just wearing black. Fantastic. I get that. And so you've got this rather manic, unlikable, bipolar f- man um, playing opposite the master. When you see the Doctor's personality extrapolated through John Sim and the performance that's delivered, it makes it very, very clear that he's not really, he's not terribly Doctorish. He's, the, the t- Ten is a problematic Doctor. He says and does things which are just frankly unlikable. Um, when I think back to the Waters of Mars, I mean, it's a great, quite, quite a good story, but that whole me- Messiah thing at the end, probably calculated to be difficult, was very, very difficult. And as I say, the opening, the opening sequence of this is just I, I, I don't know. I just thought, who are you? What are you? Where, where is that? Where is the hero that's informed my life and I've enjoyed? Who I've enjoyed watching? And that was, and that was the thing. By the time he left, I thought, I don't like you. <laughs> Throughout the later years of Tenet, they kept banging on about him, or you know, kind of putting in very unsubtle references to him being sort of a Christ-like figure to the point when I had never noticed it before. But at the very beginning of part one of End of Time, when Wilf goes into the church, he's looking and right up and they're talking about the doctor, you know, inadvertently he and um, uh, Claire Bloom and right behind him are the words who died for our sins. And it's like, wow, you're going that far with it. You're, you're <laughs> saying that the doctor is in fact doing, I mean, cause they already did the, the visual representation of that in uh, the last mm. of the time Lords where he Absolutely. rises up and, and literally you know resurrects himself just by people believing in him um and and so then you get that right away at the beginning of this and i was like i i had not quite noticed it that way before and i didn't realize it was that you know um intense but it's right there and it's it's shocking almost uh so did rtd do uh, a sort of uh modern day jesus story 
Yes, the second coming. Yeah, for, for an atheist, he is remarkably keen on his religious iconography. I mean, I mean, it's littered throughout the modern era of Who. I mean, he shot down the Star of David in The Runaway Bride. Well, one thing I wanted to go back to that, that you, you both touched on was about, um, you know, uh, giving the audience what they want to see. And I, mm. and I think that that is a, a to me, that's an issue um, with a lot of um, uh, creators uh, out there uh, is that they feel that they're giving, they feel like they need this need to give the people what they want. Um, and they, and they are constantly trying to give the people what they want. I feel, and, and I think this is actually where Stephen Moffat actually gets a lot of flack, but what I really appreciate about him is that Stephen Moffat doesn't give the people what they want. He gives them what they, what they actually need, you know, and there's a, there's a, a, a big difference there. <laughs> He's where the it's like writers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you know, it, you know, if you compare this, and and I, I don't want to you know get too into, and I know James isn't a huge fan of uh, Time of the Doctor, but if you compare how these two doctors you know went out, and you look at and very very much uh, the the eleventh Doctor. You know, he talked about change, and he was like, uh, you know, we all change, and I love myself like this, and I, I, I love the time I've had, but uh, change is inevitable, you know? And he went out defending a planet. Or he, Without question, he stayed on that planet. He sent his companion away, and he just said, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to defend this planet. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I need to do. I'm going to do it. He didn't complain. He had handles. It was all, you know, what you expect from the doctor. Complete opposite of the end of time. And as again, I always feel that Moffat is constantly trying to show Russell T. Davies how he should have done things. But um, <laughs> well, I, I think you know, I think you're absolutely right because in both stories, what you've got are is a certain uh, it's a certain um, a representation of a certain amount of time. We don't see all of it, but we know it's but we know it's happened. So, for instance, um, when I'm thinking of the end of time, uh, the end of time, the inference is that the Doctor has been to see every single one of his companions and Dodo. Um, and, and checked up on how they are. Um, but this is a long story. You know, that's, it's a huge amount of time, but we don't see all of that. And as you mentioned, um, the inference is that the Doctor has stayed on Trenzalore to defend it. That's doing a very Doctorish thing. Um, but, on the, but, but in the former case, it's a very self-indulgent... It's, I'm off to get my reward. But you don't do that stuff. You're the Doctor. Come on! But I mean, how, how much is the Doctor that we see in the end of time representative or unrepresentative of, of the 10th Doctor that we've got to know over the last or the previous four years. Because I, I, I think all it does is take a, an inherently selfish streak within a 10th Doctor, possibly an insecure one, and ramp it up a little bit. I've said before, I think that the 10th the, the Doctor is the midlife crisis Doctor, a little bit too old to be young and a little bit young to be old. And he's just, uh, basically just hanging on and being this strange, unusual entity. And I liked him when he first arrived and I liked him through the middle of the tenure um, because he was the doctor and you forgive and you forgive people a lot of things when they hold a certain status but after a point you must there comes the moment where you stand back you know it's like that time if, if, if you're going to break up with someone but there comes a moment in every relationship or in every relationship which ends where you look at the other person and think I really don't like you, um, and that moment, and that moment came with the tenth Doctor. But, but again, I, I, I think we have to be realistic about this. We're talking about fictional characters in a fictional universe, and one of the things that I think no, we're not. We should be no, we're not. Exactly. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> that Rubbish. Was real. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe, we, maybe what we need to do is confront our own ideas of projection. What do we want a regeneration story to be? When I think of day, uh, Time of the Doctor, 
that whole scene at the very end is, I think, what Legopolis should have been like. It should have been sort of quiet and personal and intimate. And you know, I'm dying now. That's it. Um, but it was so, done so much better with Matt Smith. So much better. I think the two are very similar. Uh, I think you're right. Time of the Doctor and Legopolis are very similar. And End of Time, which technically is what we're supposed to be talking about, yeah, <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is the absolute um, antithesis of, of those two stories because it's the it's the world tour, it's the stadium regeneration, it's uh, you know it's it's the loud moments that basically none of the fans really wanted, and it just it just fell fell flat for me. I, I think you know, and I've said in the past that the regeneration is often separate from the story that it features in. And I, I know, you know, for example, in caves, everything that happens brings the Doctor slowly to the point whereby he, he is dying. And I, I think that's kind of emulated in Time of the Doctor. Within End of Time, it just feels as though it's really drawn out. And there's a whole load of little plots introduced that in themselves are extremely intriguing. The, the, who is this woman? Is she the Doctor's mother, for example? Who, who are these people standing behind the Time Lords at the ends of the story, you know, who've got their hands over their eyes? There's, there's, there's all of these little things that try to tell you, actually, this is an interesting story, but they never go anywhere, and they, they, they never get explained. I mean, that, that scene, Kyle, that you talked about at the beginning with Wilf in a church seeing the TARDIS on the stained glass window, I actually really liked that. And I thought, fantastic, the Doctor has embedded himself in history somehow. And I'm going to look forward to seeing how that happens. And it, wouldn't, it never went there again. No. That was it. They never Gone. explain why Wilf can see no. um, Claire Bloom. They never no. explain... Uh, you know they do never explain wh- who she is and that's fine but they never explain why he can see her they never explain why he's the only one who can remember the dreams they can they never explain really anything to do with why and because there's the moment in in the diner when they're talking and the doctor says who are you why do, why people have been looking for me for centuries and it takes you an hour who are you to be able to find me okay good yeah. question that's never answered like it, it, the mystery of wilf is completely like other than just he's the guy who knocks like it's it's yeah i don't understand Rus- there's all these like important moments that are just important because uh, and mm. we never understand mm. why rtd does not think five steps ahead he only sees what's directly in front of him it's it's obvious like he is always writing himself into a corner right so he's got th- these drums in the head that he had this idea of you know that <sighs> yeah started in utopia and, and didn't go anywhere and he was like oh i guess i got that i got an opportunity to do something with that what am i gonna do with it i, I don't know throw a diamond from gallifrey to the past it makes no sense it's 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 not even like there's nothing right about that he just you know and, and how's he going to get out of the the master turning the entire planet into himself which uh, is such a dumb idea because you know that they're all just going to backstab each other if they're all the master. So yeah, that's something I never understood. Why would some of them are like very subservient to the main master? It's like if they're all actually the master, <laughs> none of that would happen. <laughs> exactly. There would be no like soldier masters because they're the word master does not include soldiering. I, I think the whole thing was a uh, was was based on the premise of um, of a gag that RTD had thought that did come in at the end of episode one, which was to use the word "there is no longer a human race." There is a master race. And yeah. I think the rest of the story sprung both ways, backwards and forwards, from that point. <laughs> which which <laughs> exactly that. is which is exactly my point in that in that he mm. doesn't see past what's directly in front of him, which is some little nugget of an idea that he has. And he doesn't doesn't really put together the puzzle. He just splays the pieces. We're talking about regeneration a regeneration story we didn't like. 
we've talked about you know the show has done stories about uh, shows about regeneration stories we did like what do you want from a regeneration story it, it, it's a it's a good question and it, it's one that i think i can answer quite easily from from my point of view anyway and that's it's exactly the same as what i want from any doctor who story and i want some real creativity and i want some thought i have no problem whether it is uh, a loud mad bang crass action-packed story provided the story is there it makes sense and i can understand it and i have absolutely no issue whatsoever with the opposite of that and i would i'd cite logopolis as as one of those kind of stories provided there is stuff there to enjoy on a, on a story basis i i don't think there is a magical list of things that you can chuck into a pot and out will come you know a, a regeneration story in fact i think that's exactly what rt did with trying to bring back the master chuck all of these bits including some genetic material from his wife you know i think i think i just want i want a good story and i want the regeneration to be for good reason uh, yeah. and and yeah. i want it you know and and i want the the doctor to be i just will always want the doctor to be the hero that he is he's supposed to be our hero you know he's supposed to be something to aspire to even when he's you know less than uh less than shiny um and uh that's that's what I want. Uh, so, you know, I want him to to go out in a way that I can have uh, respect for this character who I I look up to. Uh, I I I'm just kind of you know piggybacking on that. I think that's exactly what you want. You want your doctor to be a hero. Like you, it's it's to regenerate. There is some sacrifice involved. You have to, but there is the mo- like the blaze of glory moment, which is what I always want. Where it's like. I'm standing my ground no matter what that means. Um, and, and, you know, the end of time just does that so poorly because he never accepts, never accepts his fate. Like, he's always running from it. Because um, even that scene in the diner with Wilf where he says it feels like dying, I can go with that as long as by the end he goes, okay, fine. Like, he, mm-hmm. you know, there is yep. the moment when, yes. uh, um, when he's like, choose it, which is dumb and extended and neither of them do anything, but um, when he's pointing at pointing the gun at both the master and Rassilon back and forth. There is a moment where he goes, okay, you know, yes. But then right after that, from there to the end, he is he's completely whiny and, and simpering about the whole thing. He he whines at Wilf, um, and then he says that, which is completely out of the, the blue, where he says, um, and Wolf's like, well, just leave me. And he's like, you know, never, or whatever he says. Then he gets a reward, which is so long. And then he goes yeah. and he says, and then at the very end, he says, I don't want to go. It's like, what more do you need? There is, you just <laughs> yeah. are, you've had seven hours more than anyone else has. Probably a year. Who knows how long he's been half regenerating. Come on. Just like, you know, this is happening. And I, you know, death is a different thing, but he, he is, he is the doctor. He should be, you know, Better than that. Better than that, yeah. I, 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 I want to go back to something that uh, I believe is a fifth Doctor quotation, which is to say that being a hero is, is being very frightened, but doing what you have to do anyway, um, which is the opposite of what happens in this story. <laughs> I think I'll go back to another fifth Doctor quote and say there should have been another way. <laughs> There is one final thing that I'd like to like to talk about, and uh, again, I have a feeling we may be doing this with any story that we talk about for the foreseeable future. But uh, I have in my hand the results of the um, poll that DWM conducted what a couple of months ago. This is um, this is the last but one Doctor Who magazine as a, a, as we record this, and the end of time comes in at eighty two. 
82 out of, let's have a look, 241 stories. That's above things like A Christmas Carol, Most of the Key to Time. Heathens! I, I, I just think it either means that this, this poll doesn't really mean very much whatsoever, or, or we are drastically mm. wrong about the end of time, and, and most of fandom actually do have an affection for it. I think there's this, there is this, you know, love of David Tennant that's still there, and it was it was more emotional for them, you know, saying goodbye to their doctor for a lot of people who started watching Doctor Who in the last few years or started, you know, reconnected with it. They really, really connected with David Tennant, and there is this, you know, love of him. However, across the board, if you look at the the statistics of the DWM poll, which I did because I'm a nerd, all of David Tennant's stories dropped by quite a lot um, uh, from the last one, you know, in 2009. They all went down quite a bit, and if you look at like, um, even though even if we're adding forty-one more stories, they went down significantly. So I think it's it's kind of more telling that the the love, the fervent love of him has kind of gone down, whereas the oh he said goodbye, let's you know we're okay with that one has kind of for whatever reason been it, it remained. Well, one of the one of the things about Doctor Who is is it's very. Huh. It's very much of its time. We can, I think, we can agree on on that, and it's very, it's very much in the moment. So, if if you know, if if you ask who's the best Doctor Who, it's t- the tendency is going to be to say the one who's currently on the screen being Doctor Who, um, except for those people who have their Doctor and have watched more than one, you know. Um, but that's not to that's not to berate new fans. New fan, you've got to have new fans, or there's no old show. But 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 to be honest with you. Of all of the Doctor act, of all of the Doctor Who stories that I've got on the shelves behind me, tenants are the ones I, re- I revisit least, and that's, that's even that's even even though even though I've got a thing for not liking John Pertwee's performances terribly well, um, tenant is the one I go back to the least often. It's, this is the first time in over a year I've watched any of his stories, man. I, I think um, it, it's been the first time that I've seen two stories inside of a couple of weeks because I watched Utopia prior to this, and m- my enjoyment and appreciation of Utopia. Had absolutely soared. It was wonderful to go back and see the Tenth Doctor in action. Now that that was the Tenth Doctor that I remembered. And then watching this, I really had to summon up the energy and motivation to to actually bother. Um, I did, uh, but it it was it was a hard hard slog. But um, as I said, it's not to say that it is uniformly bad. But it it's not it's not something that I would choose to watch. I don't think. And you know, unless I felt some kind of obligation, like I was discussing on a podcast or something you know <laughs> but, but yeah I, I think we're actually fairly unanimous and that's that's been <laughs> something that's not very uh, frequent occurrence here in the camper van we're all more or less of the same view um i, I think there should have been another way i i would have quite liked to have seen tenant go out you know in, in a very different story and um for a very long time I've, I've believed that tom baker's last story should have been state of decay that's the that's his regeneration story that's where it should have ended yeah, um, i heard you say that before um Oh man, watch it again! It's it's there's a moment in there where it's like, right, this is where you should die. Either he should die with the tower crashing into the heart of the vampire, or the, <laughs> or the or the tower crashing into the heart of the vampire opens up the the exit to East Space, but he loses his life doing that. Something like that. Um, in the same way, for David Tennant, if if, if he'd gone out on the waters of Mars, or even in English, on the waters of Mars, um, then he. Then I could have, I could have, I could have worn it. Um, he has the messiah. He does the messiah bit. She killed herself in order. To, and, and there's a lot of explanation in End of Time. Um, for instance, that thing about him having to stay relative to the Martian that calls an exes is fantastic. But him bringing Adelaide <laughs> back to oh, yeah. uh, um, him, him, him having to, to bring sorry, bringing Adelaide back to life to repair the timeline at the cost of his own. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been a Doctor Who way to go. But yeah. this, this, this is cake and. 
uh, coffee. No, forget it. Okay, thanks, Tom, um, for being so unambiguous there. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. That's, that's okay. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. To Well, I have, I'm not quite sure. Was that a review? It was more of a bit of a therapy session, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the wounds are still fresh for some reason. <laughs> indeed, I'm, I'm not sure it'll ever actually improve over time, I think. Next week, listeners, as I said at the beginning of the show, we have only two regeneration stories left. We're doing something rather special with the war games, so we're going to be discussing Time of the Doctor, uh, and I wonder whether or not six months has, has done it any favours uh, from my point of view, because I've not gone back to watch it. In fact, I don't think I've seen it in 2014. I've been so so affected by the memory. but uh, I really well, want to convince you how good it is. Well, you better watch it and come back next week then. <laughs> <laughs> there we are there's a sneak preview into next week's show listeners <laughs> kyle thank you very much indeed for joining this madhouse it's, oh, uh, it's been great having you <laughs> yes indeed thank you so much and it, you know if anybody could make me watch the end of time again i'm glad it was you guys <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to make this a regular thing then Kyle if it gets you on the show more frequently yeah, make but... me watch terrible things that I don't want to watch <laughs> you love watching terrible things Kyle come that's on that's true that's my thing you're right next, next time around it's going to be Nightmare of Eden let's go oh, there's a controversial comment Sean Lyon anyway thank you very much gentlemen for, for, for joining us listeners we'll be back next week bye for now so goodbye bye, everybody bye yes. bye You've been listening to the Doctor Who Podcast, brought to you this week by James, Kyle, Tom and Stephen. In no particular order, no favouritism, nothing like that. You can check out more episodes of the show at thedoctorwhopodcast.com or check us out on Facebook, Twitter or drop by the Doctor Who Podcast forums and say hi. Thanks for listening. See you later. the end the end of everything